Hello, this is Tim Rausenberger with BrassTenor.com. Today is Tuesday, November 28th, 2017. This is episode 160, the first valve oil lesson for brass instruments. This particular episode is of course dedicated to brass instruments that use valve oil. And specifically, I'm referring to those with piston valves like the trumpet, cornet, euphonium, and tuba. This is not to say that valve oil can't be used in other ways, but this particular episode is going to be dedicated to applying oil to the piston valves. Several weeks after you've had your initial lessons with students, I like to have a lesson which is dedicated to oiling the valves. You'll want to prep the students on this to make sure that they have the valve oil with them for no other reason than to make sure that they have valve oil. It's not so much that they're going to be doing it during the lesson, that's completely up to you, but you want to make sure that they have the product. There are some people who believe that the valve should be oiled very early on. If that's the case, I would recommend the instructor does it on their own instead of the child trying to put the valve oil on. Learning an instrument is a very daunting thing to begin with. And when we add something like oiling the valves, it just makes things that much tougher. They really need time to get acclimated to the instrument. Something which is, has definitely been lost on people who do not understand what it's like to be a teacher in a school setting. There are several supplies and there are specific things you're going to need in order to oil the valves. And what I would do is I would provide a sheet to the students with a step-by-step -step process which can be similar to mine. I never ever claim to have the be-all end-all for anything, but this particular strategy has worked for me over the years. I have found that a typical valve oil lesson takes a minimum of 20 minutes. So if your lessons are only a half hour in length, your lesson is pretty much shot, unless you simply want to spend a few minutes just hearing the students making sounds, that's fine. But I would, if you are, you have 10 minutes free in the lesson, I would probably advocate for students to try to oil one of their valves before they leave your room. I have done this both ways depending on the situation 
the inevitable always seems to happen. We have somebody who forgets their trumpet, somebody who forgets the valve oil, somebody who forgets to come down for their lesson. All the things that teachers deal with on an everyday basis in school. Now, the step-by-step -step process that I tend to use is as follows. I have the students have their trumpets in front of them, but I do ask them repeatedly to make sure that they're keeping their eyes on my instruments. This is really important because students, whenever they have their instruments out, for reasons I will never understand, they love to start staring at their instruments, especially when important instructions are being given. I don't know why they do this. They have, could do this all they want at home, but they don't. But once you're giving important instructions, they have this tendency to start looking at their instruments and they start fidgeting their instruments. And the next thing you know it, uh, all different types of lousy things happen. They're not paying attention. Something has now come apart on their instrument. So the first thing is to make sure that they have their eyes on you at all times and you have a trumpet out in front of them, making it crystal clear to them that your trumpet is basically the same as their trumpet. The first thing that I like to do is I like to take a valve out and not even tell them how I'm taking it out. I just like to take a valve out and show them the inside of the valve. Show them the valve casing. This is extremely educational. They need to see and understand how the piston works. You can even ask any of them if they've ever seen a piston valve underneath the hood of an engine in a car or a truck. You'd be surprised. I've had many students who said that they've seen piston valves before whether they've seen them on the internet or they've actually seen them in the vehicles owned by their, their families. So I explain the concept of pressing the valve down, where the air goes when the valve is not down, what happens to the valve. The other thing that I also do is I grab the nylon threads with, one of my, with my left hand or they might, be, they might be metal, excuse me, not the threads, the guides, the, uh, the nylon or the metal guides on the valve. And I grab them and I press the valve up and down while holding the guides and explain to them, this is what's happening with your instrument. You can even ask a student to be a volunteer, come up to the front of the room, and hold the instrument up and show them what's going on inside of the instrument. Line up the valve on the outside of the casing and show them this is what's really going on. If you get super, super technical, the entire valve is not moving up and down. It's a guide holding it in place. You also wanna take this opportunity to explain friction because the whole reason why the valves are getting sticky and they're not going up and down smoothly is because of friction. It has to do with the fact that there's not a coating of oil between the valve and the casing. I have some people are gonna say at this point, this is too complex. Well, to each his own. 
All I know is that my nine and 10 year olds have been able to grasp this with, with no problem because the following week, I'll simply do a question and answer with them to ensure that they understand everything I went through during this process. So you want to explain the oil should be applied to the bottom half of the valve and not the top half, not the portion with the springs and not the portion with the guide or the numbers. This is where you're also going to want to explain to students, you'll notice that there's a number on your valve, a number one or number two or number three. Now, this is the case with all trumpet valves that I've come in contact with, unless it's been one of those cheap, lousy instruments that's mass-produced uh, in a country with it's using inferior materials. But I have found with many euphoniums and some tubas that those particular valves sometimes don't have any numbers on them. For that reason, I always advise that euphoniums and tuba players early on, under no circumstances, should you ever take out all three valves. Because if they do take out all three of the valves and then they put them in in the wrong spots later on, what a nightmare and what a pain and what a waste of time for you to have to sit there and try to find the appropriate spots, especially if you don't know a lot about brass instruments and trying to figure out which valve is supposed to go into which area. It can be mind-numbingly irritating. Furthermore, with the euphoniums and the tubas, those valves, more often than not, will have springs on the bottom of the casing that are kept in place by the caps, the caps that screw on and off on the bottom of the casing. It's critically important that the students understand while doing this, those springs usually are loose. And if they're loose, you want to be very careful. They can't lose those springs. I always like to tell a little joke. You can't go to the supermarket in the cereal aisle and decide to buy springs for a brass instrument. You're not gonna find them there. You're not gonna find them anywhere, in fact. You will find them at a music repairs shop. And you, the director, may have some laying around as well. But I would say to them, we don't even wanna go down that road, so be careful. If one of those springs gets out, it can easily be stepped on. I had one private lesson, worst private lesson of my life, very, very early on in my career where I did not go through this process very well with a euphonium player. And his valves were, they just weren't going up and down at all. They were just staying down. They were bone dry. And I took one of the valves out and stupidly, my own fault, I turned the instrument over, the spring fell out, and where were we? We were in the student's house. What type of surface was below us? Carpet, copper colored carpet. It took us over 20 minutes to find the spring. It was awful. We laugh about it later on. Wasn't too funny at the time because this was the student's first lesson and what a waste of time it was. At any rate, getting back to our valves now. Now that we've taken the valve out, we're gonna put the valve back in. 
and you're now going to go step by step on what we do to remove the valve. How do we get it out of there? So the first thing that I say to students, I say this over and over and over and over. When they're taking the valve out, you have to drive this point home. Tell them over and over, do not touch the, the top of the valve itself. In other words, the mother of pearl, or it might be a smooth surface, that spot on the top where your fingers are touching the valve. Don't touch that and don't twist it. If you want to go one step further and explain that it's attached to the stem, you're more than welcome to. Because I'm sure we've all had that situation where they turn it, they're playing and fiddling with the valve, they turn it to the left, the entire stem starts turning, next thing you know it, the entire top of the valve comes loose. And you have that jiggly valve thing going on, which is beyond aggravating trying to get the valve out and then having to put it back on and it's it's very very frustrating so i drive the point home do not touch the top of the valve at all instead you show them where the valve is screwed into the casing and tell them lefty loosey righty tighty or we say righty tighty lefty loosey so left and we can even show left i always i like to also use the word counterclockwise for kids that know their time well point to the clock show them the direction that i'm going i'm not going in the direction that the second hand is going or the minute or hour hands and i twist to the left you'd be surprised at how many students do not know the difference between the two i've had this happen in middle school and high school before so we twist to the left the next thing you want to stress to the students is it's going to look like you just broke the valve because what happens of course is when we loosen it the as soon as you're finished unscrewing it it looks like that part of the valve has broken off and it has you need to stress to them you have not broken the valve it's gonna look like you have but you haven't you all you're doing is loosening it and then the valve should come out easily <clears throat> take the valve out and in order to clean off the valve you're going to want the students to use a soft cloth a rag something that's not going to leave threads behind or any type of pieces of paper or anything of that nature so if they are going to use a napkin or a paper towel that's not the end of the world because those fibers are a lot tighter and they're less likely to shed using something like a tissue or toilet paper is not advised because it's probably going to break off and the last thing we need is a piece of that tissue style paper getting stuck on the valve and then making its way into the casing. It's just an added aggravation none of us need in our lives. When they take the valve out, I would advise my students to take the rest of the instrument and put it away, put it inside the, inside the case. And the reason why is we don't want the instrument to get damaged. So put it away. You need to be super careful with the valve, treat it like it's a baby. You would never want to drop a baby and 
you need to be very, very careful with because if we do drop this and it hits a, a floor, especially a hard floor, there's going to be significant damage to the valve. Now we know that valves have probably hit the floor before and there's been no damage, but we wanna put it in their brains that the valve will get damaged because it can get damaged. The slightest little dent can really mess things up. What we want to do is we're explaining to the students, we're doing an oil change. Have you ever heard of your families ever getting an oil change for their car? Well, we're doing the same exact thing on your instrument. And that's gonna sound really cool to them. We're actually doing a real oil change, because we are. We're taking the old oil off and putting fresh oil on the valves. They take the valve out, they wipe off the bottom of the valve only, and then put a fresh coat of oil on the valve. Students will ask, how much oil should I put onto the valve? And what my simple solution generally is, about two or three squeezes of the valve oil container. You shouldn't need more than that. The way you'll know that you have plenty on there is if it starts to drip. And if it starts to drip really heavy, you have more than enough on there. Now, the other thing to also prep your students for will be the, the dripping oil issue. So they need to be careful not to get it on their clothing and most especially not to get it on the floor. Because if you get it on white carpet or you get it on a nice hardwood floor, it can stain and it can cause issues and the type of issues where uh, students will get in a lot of trouble by their families. So what I say to them very simply is, I like you very much and I want you to return safe and I don't want you to come back to school dead because your parents get very upset with you uh, for getting valve oil all over the place. So it might be necessary for them to put newspaper around or towels or things that are gonna be able to catch it. Uh, this is just a good idea in general. The other a bit of advice while they're oiling the valves is not to do it uh, from a standing position or up on a counter or anything of that nature. They really should do it on the floor or close to the floor or at least being seated at a table uh, with something on the table like a rag or a towel that's going to prevent the valve from rolling in the event that you need to put the valve down for a moment. Okay, we've applied, uh, uh, excuse me, applied our valve oil. What do we do next? Well, we're gonna take the valve and we're gonna take the, in the instrument now and we're going to move the valve around inside the casing. I explain it to them, spinning it around. And as you, they put the valve in, you need to stress them to not force it in. Let the valve drop comfortably. If it's not going in comfortably and you're having a really tough time getting it in, or you can't, if you can't get it in at all, do not put it in. Do not force it. Bring the entire instrument to me and I'll be happy to fix it for you and figure out what's going on. It's very possible that during the manufacturing process, the valve and the casing were cut in such a way that the valves are just never gonna go down freely. And you need to, you're gonna to need to get a repair person to do some lapping. In other words, they're gonna to need to slice off a little bit of the inside of the casing so the valve can move more freely.
So the students should just kind of drop the valve in and this time they are gonna grab it from the top and they're gonna spin it around. Spin it clockwise, counterclockwise, so they can get all the oil spread around the casing. Now that they've done this, we have one final step that needs to be done. They need to put the valve into the casing. One of the gigantic reasons, huge reasons, that every student needs to have their instrument there is because you as the instructor need to know exactly where that guide is going to line up appropriately, especially with a, a number on an instrument so the students know where they need to place the valve in such a way so the guide can go in safely. With a guide on a euphonium or a tuba, I cannot begin to tell you the number of nylon guides which have been destroyed because students are trying to jam them in unsafely. You need to explain to them there's going to be a little notch. That's the place where the guide goes. It's a little square notch. And they look inside and they'll notice inside that circle, there's going to be a square notch on the side. And that's where that guide is going to go. Now on a tuba or a euphonium and on most, on excuse me, on a few trumpets and cornets, you only have one guide. Most trumpets and cornets are going to have two guides, which of course can cause the following problem, putting the valve in backwards. So after you're able to ascertain which way the number is supposed to face, is it supposed to face the mouthpiece or the bell? It's also a great opportunity to explain to your students, just like we all look different and we all have different fingerprints and footprints, we all have different trumpets. Unless everybody has a Yamaha trumpet, or everybody has a Bach trumpet, or a Bundy, or whatever the company is. After they get the valve inside, they need to now twist the part that attaches to the valve casing to the right, righty-tighty. And they need to take their time to do this so they don't screw it in cockeyed. They want to make sure that it goes in straight. After they do this, and only when they're finished, this is when they're going to touch the top of that valve, and they are going to just double check that it's in correctly, that it is inside correctly, I should say, and they should do a slight twist to the right and if it's still able to spin, they should spin it until they hear a click. This is the guide locking into place. This is not something that you want to be doing with euphoniums or tubas. You really don't want to be doing this because it can cause damage to the guide. With trumpets and cornets, you're not typically going to have this problem. Before they do anything else, they need to attempt to just blow any note or just simply blow air into the instrument. What I like to do is I like to show them what happens when you put it in backwards and you don't put it in correctly. And if you do that, then you give every student an opportunity with their mouthpieces to blow into your instrument with the valve placed incorrectly. And 
to attempt to blow air into the instrument. They're gonna feel that stoppage, that blockage, it's gonna feel so strange, the air won't go through. And you explain, this is what happens when you haven't put the valve in correctly. After you do this, they will repeat the process, obviously, on the other valves. They can also take the time to put the caps in. Uh, excuse me, to take the caps off and to clean off the caps. The caps might have some dirt on the bottom of them. They can, can clean that off. And if you want to go one step further and discuss mouthpiece, mouthpiece brushes and uh, valve brushes, that's completely and absolutely fine but not absolutely essential for this particular lesson. Think about how long this podcast has taken me to create for you today. Think about all the steps. Think about all of the different things that I'm having you think about and now your students think about. There's a lot involved here and it needs to be done correctly. Too many people do it quickly. And for heaven's sake, please do not encourage your students to be putting valve oil in underneath the valve. In other words, by way of the cap through the hole. When you do this, very little valve oil gets onto the valve. You're not truly doing an oil change. And you've accomplished almost nothing. It's lazy. And quite honestly, it's an incompetent way of teaching it to students. This is the correct way. I apologize if there are some steps that some of you do prefer to uh, have along the way. Obviously, the, the accessories that I mentioned are what you're going to need throughout the course of this process. You're going to need that rag. You're going to need a, a, a towel. Uh, in, in order to wipe off the valve and also to prevent the, the valve from rolling around in case the student has to put the valve down for a minute. And again, stress not to put too much valve oil on. I had a student one time in a lesson, I had, uh, this was a student who was extremely bright and I think this falls under the category of never assume anything with students because what wound up happening was I had my first student who was extremely bright and very, very disciplined, and I advised the student, I, the, the advice that I gave was to put, start putting valve oil on the valve, but I didn't tell them two or three drops. Next thing I know, I know it, I look, and there was literally a leak of valve oil all around the instrument and my goodness was it a and nothing short of an absolute disaster so what I, I can't stress enough going through all these steps explaining everything to your students so they understand the importance of putting in a valve properly oiling properly when you do all of these things your students are going to feel great about themselves. You are going to be absolved the, of the constant irritation of having to oil your students' valves, which takes in long periods of time. Finally, uh, the one thing that I always say to students, I never like to do this lesson on a Friday, and here's why. If the student has any issues at all with the valve, any problems, 
you need to stress to the student to bring the instrument in immediately the next day. That is if you're able to come into that school the next day and you're not someone who's rotating from school to school. I always stress that to students because you don't want a situation where they're not able to practice because their valves are not incorrectly now. And they should also contact you right away if they're having any issues. If it's going to be a long time before they see you again, you can also encourage them to go to a music store where someone at the music store uh, would absolutely be willing to help them. And in almost every case, they're not going to be charging the student any money to do this uh, very simple task for them, but difficult task for a student and certainly for uh, anyone in their family. I hope this lesson will prove helpful to you. I, I tried to cover the steps as best as possible. And uh, if you have any questions or, or thoughts or concerns, or you have any ideas uh, of other things I could discuss in podcasts having to do with musical instruments and the maintenance of them, uh, please contact me at any time. And the best way, the best compliment uh, to me is to share, share, share uh, all of my in information and my podcast uh, episodes with other people. I appreciate your time as always and wish you all the best.